This is PJ Ewing. You're listening to Lester the Nightfly on some great radio station somewhere, or you may be listening to it after the fact on demand. All good. We have Sunny Singh with us today. This is really a thrill. This happened very quickly, and I'm glad to welcome Sunny to Lester the Nightfly. Welcome, man. Thanks so much for having me. I am glad to have you here too. And I'll just let everyone know that on my birthday, May 13th, oh my God, your record comes out. How neat is that? I, I was the serendipity of that. <laughs> That's the word. Happy that birthday. is the word. Thank you, man. Uh, yeah, it was, it's been great. And I've been thinking about your record and listening to your music. And you have this really fun playlist that you've brought to our attention, some from the brand new record, which is great. And then some other things that I just, I cannot wait to hear you tell me why. Tell us why you've included them on your playlist. It's going to be fascinating. But let's do this. The You know, the obligatory, hey, man, where'd you come from? What are you all about? Tell us a little bit of your story, if you could. so good to be here. Thanks for having me, PJ. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm based here in, in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, been working as a musician for like a good chunk of my adult life. Um, I came up uh, playing music in, uh, in uh, Sikh Gurdwaras, you know, learning basic harmonium and tabla. That was sort of my first musical outlet, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later. And then became a trumpet player at the age of nine in, in school band, like many kids in my uh, North Carolina public school that I went to. I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina as the child, the child of immigrants. Um, and you know, for, for much of my life, music really became uh, an outlet to channel a lot of what I was going through. Um, those on the radio can't see that I wear a turban and have a beard and have brown skin. And, you know, and that identity has, has deeply shaped my life in so many ways. And, you know, given, given all the forms of, of racism that exist in this country, uh, certainly when I was growing up and, and still today. And, and music has really been a, a, a method for me of, of coping, but also trying to put some, some hope and joy out into the world. Uh, and, and it's as much for myself as it is for, as, as it is for listeners. Um, so, you know, I became a more serious trumpet player in high school and sort of marching band and, and uh, playing Western classical music. Um, and then as I grew older, I became more serious about music. I was never planning to pursue it as a, as a career, so to speak. Um, you know, I, I've also always been kind of a, uh, well, not always, but since I was a teenager, uh, a social activist um, and, uh, you know, studied social sciences in college and went to grad school for a program called social justice education. And, 
And I moved to New York uh, in my early 20s, uh, and one thing led to another very quickly here in, in the music scene. And um, so I've always found myself sort of vacillating between, uh, between gigs on the weekend, sometimes out for weeks at a time, and then squeezing in the, the education and activist work that, that is really important to me, kind of in between and around my music schedule. It's a North Carolina jump to your early 20s to Brooklyn. That's culture shock in some ways, right? In, in a lot of ways? Yeah, absolutely. And there, was, and there was also 10 years of Arizona in between, which I failed to mention. So uh, even, maybe even more culture shock coming, coming uh, from, from Arizona, um, which, which was sort of the latter part of my childhood and where I went to college as, as well. But, you know, at, uh, when I became a young adult, I knew I wanted to live in a city. Um, and I was drawn to New York because of the music scene, because I, would, I knew I would see people that look like me walking down the street, um, as well as just, you know, people from all over the world. Uh, and, and that really drew me in um, as someone who grew up often finding myself being the only person that looked like me in my school, even in my uh, University of Arizona where I went to college. I think I was one of two turban wearing six on the entire campus of 35,000 <laughs> for most of my time there. So, you know, I, I became very used to being kind of the only one um, and being an outsider in that way. But, uh, you know, it, it, but coming to New York, uh, you know, it, it just sort of was a magnet for me, and I didn't know how long I'd stay. But you know, it's it's been eighteen years now, so this is definitely this is definitely home. Uh, so it's the Sikh community, and is it a Punjabi uh, community as well that you're? Yeah, exactly. Part of? So the vast majority of Sikhs in the world uh, trace our roots to Punjab, um, which is sort of now split between the nation states of India and Pakistan. All used to be one thing, um, uh, but yeah, m- most of us trace our origins to Punjab. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it's a large community in New York, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we're we're a pretty, pretty, pretty large community in in New York City, especially out in Queens. Um, and uh, you know, I, I live in Brooklyn. There's not as as many of us in Brooklyn, but yeah, we're we're around for sure. Queens is one of the more amazing places on the planet. I don't know if you've looked back or know this, but from the beginning, Sunny, it had more languages than any other plant place mm-hmm. on the planet, and that continues to this day. And I don't know the number. It's Numbers in almost 200 languages. I mean, however many languages there are on the planet, they are in Queens. They're in Queens, yeah. Right? And it, but that was from the beginning, 400 years ago, for some reason, and I don't quite understand why, that was the case even back then. It, it, it didn't just happen recently. It's, it's always been there. So, and I, I, I feel that it's a welcoming place for so many. I mean, obviously Absolutely. with all the different cultures. My wife is Chinese, so... We go out to you know various parts of you know the Chinese community there through her upbringing and uh, yeah. and my children are obviously ch- part Chinese so um, I'm I'm we're there with some frequency you know the truth is if I didn't white guy from the Midwest PJ right coming from Michigan I wouldn't really know I would see the faces in Manhattan but until I got married to my wife and started exploring Brooklyn and Queens and the other boroughs. I was going to be a guy very limited, and I'm here in New York, yeah. but I was in Manhattan thinking that it was all Manhattan, sure. that there wasn't, yeah, I, I don't know what they do out there. Honestly, it's kind of yeah. a sad story, really, but that was my story up until maybe 15 years ago. So Yeah, no, I appreciate your honesty about that. You know, New York is, is this super, one of the most diverse cities in, in the world, uh, ethnically and racially and linguistically, as you mentioned, but, but nevertheless, people often really stay in their, in their bubbles, you know, um, and, and that's a shame. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, one of my, one of my surprises, 
uh, coming to New York. I, maybe it wasn't a total surprise, but you know, just because there was more diversity here didn't actually mean there was less racism. Unfortunately, you know, I, the the amount of sort of overt racist harassment I've experienced in New York is is actually more than most other places I've lived. Believe it or not, um, but you know, it, it it's a city of contradictions, um, and it is it is most definitely home, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. But uh, but of course, we still have a lot of work to do. Unfortunately, diversity in and of itself didn't erase racism and white supremacy, right? You know, more than I do that, you know, it can be a very subtle difference in a culture and suddenly you're in a different tribe. You know, you could have all the same upbringings and then yet, you know, whether it's gender or it's uh, orientation or it's the, 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 the province that you're from. I mean, we are tribal. Uh, it, what, what soccer team? You follow. I mean, you know, we will, if there isn't a way to divide us, we'll figure one out. Right. And we seem to just want to hang in those little clusters. We're going we're gonna to fight this, this thing forever. And then we just you know, try to make inroads. And your music is really about togetherness. It's about your culture, yet expressing your culture and bringing us together. Uh, it's a, there are some anthems in the music that you do. Uh, it's inspirational. It's very uplifting. It, it, you don't, you're not shying away from, you know, the world around you, but you are trying to elevate us. I can hear that in the music, although I don't know, understand all the words in, in every case, of course. But this show, Sonny, as new as it is, a year and a half into this thing, my objective is to share music that you haven't heard before. My sort of tagline that's sort of a recent in incarnation is, uh, you never know what you're going to get. And, and in each case, each week, it's different. In fact, Sonny, uh, coincidentally, because this has all happened very quickly, you and me on the, on the horn here, I'm doing Indian classical music this week. And the first episode, which I finished editing last night, is almost like a, you could sit and take notes. It's almost school. I mean, we're going through, he plays the flute, and we're going through the tala, and we're going through the various aspects of the, the instrumentation and the musical styles and the rhythms, trying to understand it. It's almost just like an hour of education. Mm -hmm. But that's going to air actually before um, this. So people that have are listening to this right now can go back and, and do a little education on classical Indian music. Awesome. Uh, that's going to be, it's kind of coincidental. Tell me a little bit about your family, though. The immigration to North Carolina what can you share about that? My parents were a part of the sort of post-1965 wave of immigrants to the United States um, who had a very easy time getting visas to do things like engineering and, and medicine and sort of the hard sciences. So my dad uh, came on a student visa in 1969 to, to study mechanical engineering at the University of Minnesota. Uh, and a few years later, he went back and, and married my mom in India, and, and they ended up uh, coming over together in, in the early 70s. And, you know, there was a job opportunity in Charlotte. And so that, that's where they ended up. And that's where I, where I grew up, um, along, with, along with many other, you know, the, the immigrant population of that city, you know, really grew a lot in the, in the 90s after we had already left. But, um, but yeah, that, that's sort of my, my family's very, very basic, uh, very basic history. Um, and... Yeah, we're a part of many, many, many others. There's been lots of different waves of uh, of South Asian migration to the U.S., and we were kind of a part of uh, a part of that big wave. Siblings? Do you have any brothers or sisters? Yep, I have an older brother who lives in Atlanta. Um, yeah, I'm the only musician in my family. Uh, it was it was definitely a surprise to everyone when I started <laughs> pursuing music more more seriously. But they're all quite supportive of it now. I'm glad to hear that last statement because it is not something that a lot of parents would encourage just because of mm -hmm. the the risks and the Absolutely. struggles and all those things. I mean, you're not a doctor or a lawyer, and mm -hmm. so you know w what else is there. 
indeed. I'm sure you heard that stuff, right? Yeah, and I don't blame them, especially these days. It is it's hard to make ends meet as a musician and you know, in these pandemic times, but we're still we're still pushing through. What does that mean to you then? And what is your life like? I mean, you've been working on this new record for a while. This is a big moment for you. You've had a lot of notices in really big places over the last few months about this record. Are you doing your own PR? You're doing great. I mean, you some really big, big uh, people are following you. Thank you. I had I had been doing my own PR until the album release, and and, and now I'm working with the publicist for the first time, um, which is an investment, but I think one that is is worthwhile. I really want to give this record and this music uh, its best shot. It's there's no record label, uh, hence me hiring a publicist myself. Uh, so it's all independently released. Um, I raised some funds through Kickstarter to to make the album, um, and so that's been tremendously helpful. Uh, but but yeah, as you probably know, you know, launching a new project is is definitely an investment of a lot of resources uh, before it starts kind of coming coming back around. Um, I'm also a working musician in a band called Red Barat. I'm an original member of that band that's been around for over a decade. Uh, so that band works uh, works pretty steadily, plays a lot of big festivals and performing arts centers and, and whatnot. It's sort of a uh, Bhangra Punjabi brass band of sorts, um, sort of like a, a, a joyful party music. Um, so, so that keeps me busy as well. We just had a gig here in, in New York uh, last night and I, and I play with other musicians from time to time as well. But it, you know, it really does feel, uh, even though it's uh, financially, it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of stressful thing <laughs> to be honest, but it, it does feel really good to be, to be doing my, my, you know, sort of trying to bring my own musical vision uh, to life in this way. Um, and and it's, a, it's a risk, but I think it's one worth taking. Well, I love that you're doing it. And, you know, you can incorporate other aspects of your education in the future. There are many things that you can do with your life. And you've devoted this period of time, maybe going forward forever, to music. And we are the beneficiary. So thank you for all that work. Let's go to uh, the first song on on the list. This is Charity Kala. It's from the brand new record uh, that you just have out out the door. And that is the title track, right, of the the new record. Let's hear it. And then we can talk a little bit about it.
नानक नाम चर दी कला तेरे भाने सर्वता भला soars truly it just uh, the first time i heard it i my spirit just i think like you intended was elevated mm. really what what's happening here tell us about this song yeah uh that is absolutely the intention and that's the intention of the record it's the title track it's kind of the mission of this musical project um so chardikala um basically means ever rising spirits or uh, sort of a, a revolutionary sense of eternal optimism. And this is a idea and practice in the Sikh community that's been around for a really long time. Like you ask, you ask someone how they're doing, Kihale, and they, uh, uh, an average Sikh will say, Chardikala. So it's, it's this like ever rising spirits, like uh, eternally optimistic. And, and, and the reason for that is uh, it's not to like bury pain or, uh, or oversimplify one's feelings. But it's this idea that we have a, a sort of spiritual and political and sort of human obligation to ourselves and to each other to, to remain hopeful even in the darkest of times, right? Um, so that's a commitment that kind of exists. That's a sensibility that exists in our community. Um, the Sikh community has suffered all kinds of oppression over our uh, few hundred years of, of, of existence um, as, as many sort of new paths and, and particularly politically revolutionary paths face. Um, and, and despite it all, there's this idea of Jardikala, right? Because if we don't have hope, we don't have anything. Right. Um, and so part of what it means for us on a spiritual level is like if we're really connected to that divine presence, that energy that connects us all, something greater than ourselves, then we are going to be feeling that sense of elevation, that sense of Jardikala. So I try to embody that in my life as, as, a, as a practice. And, it, you know, it's, some, it's certainly the last few years, it, it, sometimes it feels harder and harder, right? Like now we're just in the wake of this white supremacist attack in Buffalo on, on black folks at a grocery store. You know, it's just like, it's like, time after time, day after day, there's just more reasons for despair, honestly. Uh, and so part of what I want to do in my music is, is to remind folks uh, and myself, like I'm included in that folks that I want to remind uh, that if we don't have hope, we don't have anything. It, what is the call and response, the greeting, and then the, the response is Chardikala. What, what would someone say first? Oh, Kihale is just, how, how are you? How's it going? Kihale, yeah. Chardikala. Yeah, and that's something that you'll hear very specifically in the Sikh community, people using Chardikala in, in that way. Well, you're going to hear it from me and my children. That's what you're going to hear, it. Sonny. I love it. I, yeah, I, I wanna, will teach I them today. Spread, <laughs> spread the gospel of, of Chardikala, for sure. <laughs> I'm with you, man. You've got one more uh, supporter on your team on that. That's beautiful. It's a lovely... It sounds... Forget the meaning for a second. It just sounds pretty. 
There are certain words. Um, there's a word in Spanish. Uh, is it friendship? Amistad? Yeah. It's just pretty. It just yeah, it yeah. sounds lovely. And Charticala is another one that just it sounds hopeful and happy and welcoming in, in a beautiful way. Let's move on to a different artist now. This is from your playlist. We're going to work through 10 songs uh, on this show here on Lester the Nightfly. Wherever you're listening, I'm glad you're here. I'm with Sonny Singh. We have a brand new record to celebrate that he has created. He's from Brooklyn. I'm going to see him tomorrow night at Joe's Pub, and there will be many opportunities to see Sonny over the, over, over the time to celebrate this record. This next track, though, is Na Ja Balam. The band or the album is Bird Underwater. The, the, I'm probably going to wreck this one, but the, uh, the, the artist is Aruj Aftab. How did I do? Is yeah, that, right? that, was, that was perfect, actually, yeah. Why are we going to hear this one? Well, Aruj is a, is a good friend and an old friend. Um, I used to play in her band, and she's just been a, a, a big uh, inspiration and sort of fellow traveler. Um, her, in a way, we're doing something kind of similar with our music, even though musically the feeling is quite different. Her stuff tends to be a lot more down tempo, a lot more like you know, just just more reflective, moody um, than than my music. But she's also sourcing uh, much of her lyrics from old Sufi poetry, right? So I, I, have, I have some Sufi poetry embedded in, in my record, but the primary reference point is, is Sikh devotional poetry. Um, so she's sort of drawing from the Sufi tradition in Islam, which are these beautiful, beautiful uh, poems uh, that also really overlap uh, with, with sort of this, this idea of divine love, right? That, that's very central in, in Sufi poetry as well. Um, and I just feel like she encapsulates these, these moods, these old guzzles, um, so beautifully in her own compositions and and through her voice um and and this is her her most uh her most recent album actually vulture prince um a, a track on it mohabbat just won a, a grammy in fact for um for uh, best global music performance um but but for this playlist i wanted to do uh, a track off of her off of her old album since her her latest album is getting a lot of attention but she's been putting out incredible music for for many years so this this is a track that i really love off that first album uh, I'm glad we're going. It's sort of a deep cut, a little bit, at least for us. Indeed, we're going to listen to this lovely track right now. This is Lester the Nightfly. We're listening to Naja Balam by Aruj Aftab.
It's stunning, Sonny. That is, I mean, f- tell your friend, she's got another fan. That is sublimely beautiful. Yeah. Uh, just stops you in, in your tracks kind of music. Really, really lovely stuff. Wow. Indeed. Yeah, and she's put out you know, several records now, and her latest record is a total, total masterpiece and has been getting the much-deserved intention, including a Grammy, which is incredible. Uh, amazing. Uh, well, uh, and, and uh, I'm, you know, Sonny, the problem is... This whole idea of you never know what you're going to get with me, there's too much music. I can't keep up. I, I have, I just spent um, yesterday at a, an opera uh, performance for an awards competition, a vocal competition that I covered. And I've got all these opera singers that will we'll be doing interviews, Metropolitan Opera folks. And the day before I did a thing on a brand new band called Tank and the Bang- Bang- Bangas. They have a brand new record. You know them? Yeah, I think their record came out the same day mine did. It did. It totally did. Yeah. And I heard it through NPR Music and I did a whole show on Saturday all about them. Awesome. My problem is I'm, I'm too voracious and I can't keep up, but I want to follow Aruj Aftab and I want to listen to more of that music. That's really, really beautiful. Wow. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. What are you doing to us, man? A message to you, Rudy, by the specials. This is, was it 1968 or it's way back when? Uh, it would be like 78, I think. 78? 78, okay. 79, yeah. Wow. What's this? So I can't really like talk about my musical trajectory influences without talking about ska and reggae because that's how I came up. 
um, as a teenager, you know, I, as I mentioned, I, you know, I was a trumpet player in school band um, and mostly was playing kind of Western classical music because that's what was exposed to me as a trumpet player in school. And in the in the sort of mid '90s, when I was in high school, I got turned on to ska, and 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 it was just so infectious. It resonated very deeply with me. Um, I was in Phoenix, Arizona at the time, and I started going every Wednesday night at uh, at the local uh, like small club there in Phoenix and Tempe. Actually, there was ska Moonstomp Wednesdays they called it ska night. So I'd go every Wednesday night when I was I think a junior or senior in high school. Um, the first thing I did when I got to college was start a ska band. Uh, and so the specials in particular have always been, uh, you know, it, through that trajectory have been uh, one of my one of my very favorite bands, um, uh, not only because of the awesome music and the way they kind of combine punk and reggae and ska um, in, in such a sort of rebellious and, and joyful way, uh, but because of their politics as well. Um, you know, and, and a part of that whole movement in the UK in the late 70s was an anti-fascist movement and was an anti-racist movement um, as, as uh, the sort of neo-fascist National Front was gain, gaining pop popularity among working class white youth. The ska movement and the two-tone movement led by bands like The Specials was really an answer to that, that, you know, uh, multiracial bands, all these bands were multiracial, including the specials coming together to make beautiful, joyful, rebellious music. Um, and so this is like such an iconic specials track. So I figured th this nicely encapsulates uh, what the specials are about. Little did I know that it fits exactly your background and where you're coming from. Wow. And a lot of people tell me they hear ska and reggae influences in my new music, which, you know, I hear it on a few tracks, but it's like, it's just a part of my musical vocabulary that I don't even notice anymore because it's just sort of how I express myself, right? Yeah. Um, so others hear it and I'm like, oh, I guess that makes sense that you heard it. <laughs> okay. This is a message to you, Rudy, from the specials here on Lester the Nightfly. Stop your messing around.
My first musical outlet as a child was playing Sikh devotional music. Um, so, you know, when I was, you know, f as young as four or five years old, I think, um, I, I started playing harmonium, singing a little bit, playing tabla, which are hand drums. Uh, these are the instruments that, that Sikh devotional music or Sikh kirtan is most oftenly played on these days. Um, and, you know, I'd never really revisited that form of spirituality or spiritual practice as a quote-unquote professional musician, um, you know, in the last decade or two. And, you know, a few years ago, uh, you know, as I was talking about despair before, right, like global, you know, we're in the midst of the Trump administration, like more and more sort of far-right kind of neo-fascist uh, folks are getting uh, into, into power in different parts of the world. So I was feeling a lot of, a lot of despair. This was like fall 2018. Uh, and I just found myself gravitating towards some of these devotional songs I learned when I was a kid. I, I, you know, I still have a harmonium. So I would just be like trying to remember them. Um, and it just, it was like a self-soothing mechanism, honestly. Um, and of course, spiritual practice provides that for so many of us, right? It's like a way to reground ourselves. Um, and remember what's larger than ourselves. And so that's actually what took me back to some of these songs. Uh, and then the next thing I knew, I, I was starting to write my own compositions, uh, you know, using some of these, uh, some of these texts um, from the six scriptures. Um, and so Tirgar Beso is actually a, a, a Shabbat or a devotional song I learned when I was probably 10, 11 years old. And the, the version we're about to hear is the exact melody I learned when I was a kid in the same key and everything, but it, as, as you'll hear, a, a very non-traditional uh, arrangement and sort of musical palette. And then Mitter Piarenu is an example of one of the first uh, one of the first Sikh devotional songs that I composed myself. The the lyrics uh, taken from uh, a poem from the early 18th century written by Guru Gobind Singh. That's really all about staying connected to our beloved friend or, or the divine, uh, even in the most desperate of times, right? Um, so there's, there's a lot of vivid imagery in, in the lyrics about, uh, about pain and, and despair. And yet, despite all that, even when we are feeling isolated, we're never truly alone. That's kind of the, the take home of that. And that was the first single I released in the midst of the lockdowns um, in late 2020. Wow. Let's listen to both of these tracks from the new record, Chardi Kala from Sunny Singh here on Lester, The Nightfly. Bye. 
allowed anymore to say the names of your songs we should just stop that right now because you do so, <laughs> it's natural for you it's your language and i'm just killing crushing them i, I i'm it, bad 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 i think you're doing all right <laughs> i think you're doing all right harmonium uh it's not an accordion it has characteristics like an accordion can you tell me a little bit more i saw in one of your videos i believe you're playing the harmonium what what is this thing 
Yeah, so it's it, it's kind of synonymous with a lot of South Asian styles of music now. But interestingly enough, it's not indigenous to South Asia at all. It's it came in through uh, European co- uh, colonization because um, there was no keyboard instruments in South Asia back in the day. It was all it was all strings. Um, but South Asians very much uh, made it our own and and adapted it. And it's in in South Asia, it's an instrument that's uh, played sitting on the floor, and you pump. Uh, you pump with one hand and that's where the, the sound comes from and then with the other hand so I'm right-handed so the way I do it is I pump with my left hand and I'm playing the keys uh, with my right hand um, and yeah it's just such a rich uh, vibey sound that I that I really love um, and and so it's it's definitely a big part of the the sound of my record for live shows I'm mostly not the one playing it I, you know, I, there's only so much I can do on stage at one time and I'm not like an amazing harmonium player at all I, I play very simply I am. I did play it on the record a little bit, but also uh, along with some uh, on on the record. There's a, a guy named uh, Ananthveer Singh who's you know. Whenever you hear some like really tasty harmonium shredding, that is that is him and definitely not me. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, let's do some business right now before we go any further with more music. How do we support you? Is a Bandcamp purchase the best route, or how can we uh, put money in your pocket, support what you're doing, buy your music? I really appreciate that. Yeah, Bandcamp purchases are great. I'm at sunnysing.bandcamp.com. But also, you know, I really encourage folks just to just to listen, like stream it on, on your favorite platform, share it with folks uh, that you think would appreciate it, you know, add it to your playlists, all, all that kind of stuff really does, uh, does make a difference. Um, and keep an eye out for, for shows. I have a bunch of shows in New York coming up uh, this summer and, and do intend to take this on the road. So, um, so keep an eye out. Tell me about that live experience, if you could. Yeah, the, the live band, it's a really incredible band. Um, there's uh, Rohan Kamani on drums. Uh, he's, so he plays a kind of hybrid drum set setup with one side of a tabla and a dumbek. So he's doing this sort of percussion drum set hybrid, uh, and he's he really does it well. Uh, so he, you know, there's moments where we break down into, into more sort of Punjabi folk sections where he'll be playing... I mean, Dumbek is not a Punjabi instrument, but it, it, it's a versatile instrument, or he's playing the high side of the tabla. Um, and then uh, and then there's Mackenzie Shivers, who plays harmonium uh, as well as piano, um, and she sings uh, backing vocals, so we sing a lot of choruses together. We also get the audience singing along with us on on some tunes, which is a really lovely a lovely thing. Um, Jonathan Goldberger on guitar, who just has like this incredible... Uh, palette and soundscaping uh, ability. He's on the record quite a bit as well. Um, and Yuka Tadano on bass, who just holds it, holds it down um, like a bass player <laughs> boss that she, that she is. And then I'm primarily playing uh, trumpet and singing. Uh, and then I also play a, a big barrel-shaped Punjabi drum called Adol on a couple of songs. Okay, so that was, those were two tracks. Let's go to one more, and then we're going to go a little bit farther afield. Let's hear... Uh, Gadar Machao. Yeah, Gadar Machao is uh, is a sort of uh, a r- anthem of rebellion. Um, so the the this is inspired by uh, the Gadar Party, which was uh, a political organization founded in Stockton, California, in the early 1900s um, by mostly well by Punjabi men, many of whom were sick. Um, and and so the the line that I repeat at the beginning of each verse, Bagi Henam Apna, means uh, my name is Rebel, uh, and it's taken from a poem written by a teenager named Kartar Singh Saraba, who was one of the founders of the Gadar Party, uh, who was actually executed by the British for his political activities at the age of nineteen. And he has this incredible poem called uh, you know Bagi Henam 
uh, up now, which means my name is Rebel, where he really just, it's just like, it's incredible to imagine a 19 year old uh, speaking with this kind of courage and fearlessness. So this is an ode, uh, ode to the Gother Party, as well as an ode to this part of American history that a lot of folks don't know about. Uh, a lot of this wave of Punjabi migrants um, in the early 19th century ended up marrying Mexican women. There was anti-miscegenation laws at the time. There was a lot of overlaps in, you know, working out on the fields, uh, you know, experiencing racism. And so there are descendants of these Punjabi Mexican marriages in California now, which is just a cool uh, sort of uh, inter intercultural uh, uh, part of American history that folks don't talk about very much. So there is a verse in, in Spanish as well, which is also an ode to the Mexican Revolution, which is kind of going down at a, at a very similar time. Wild, wild the strangest mixes that don't belong together and wonderful things happen. That is really cool. Kadar Machao from the new record, Chardi Kala from Sunny Singh. Let's take a listen. I landed here from Punjab 
This is Lester the Nightfly. You never know what you're going to get each week. Something completely different. You're listening to a great radio station with an open mind about new music. And I thank you. Let's get back to my interview with Sunny Singh here on Lester the Nightfly. Essie Preet, this is a big part of the record, I would imagine, this song. Yeah, this is track one. Um, this is the the last single that I released, uh, you know, before releasing the whole album. So it just came out a couple of weeks ago, along with this uh, this music video directed by uh, Shravya uh, Kag, uh, and that, that we shot in Richmond Hill, Queens, which is kind of the heart of the Punjabi Sikh community, uh, really on the East Coast, like the biggest concentration of of Sikhs on the East Coast of the United States, um, and a neighborhood that's very near and dear to me. So yeah, it's a very humanity focused uh uplifting piece that i think encapsulates kind of the meaning uh that that uh, of the of the words that i'm singing which are a devotional poem um that was written in the 16th century that are really about love and and divine love and and singing together about that love um so yeah that's that's the vibe it's gorgeous it's gorgeous and it was recognized by so many people that i admire uh, NPR, but then there was John Schaefer, who is just one of the great. Did you have you met John? Did you guys get a chance? Yeah, to? yeah, I've I've known John for a, a little while, primarily through uh, Red Barat, the the other band I've been a part of for a long time. We've played in studio on his show a number of times, and yeah, he's been he's been keeping an eye on this new project and and seems to really be enjoying it. Um, so I'm I'm grateful for that. Love his new sounds program on WNYC. Yeah, it's, it's such a great program, right? I mean. What else is there besides that? I mean, there's nothing like that. I'm I'm a poor imitation to what John Schaefer does day in, day out. He is on it. I've seen him at um, Merkin Concert Hall leading some performances before. I really, really admire what he's doing. Um, so that's a show that we have here in WNYC. It's probably out there on different stations called uh, New Sounds. So, okay, let's listen to I See Preet. This is from Charlie Kala from Sunny Singh.
Sonny, thank you, man. I really, uh, I, I know your time is valuable. You're in the middle of a record launch. This is really a pleasure to speak with you and get to know you. So thank you for being here. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a PJ DJ production. Mm-hmm.